It's God's light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine. As children, we were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. One of the things that you've heard me say time and time again, sometimes I feel like a broken record because uh, I, I repeat myself a lot, but in repetition, the law of learning, I guess. So, um, But following Jesus is the greatest adventure you'll ever take. I mean, I believe that. I, I, look, I think back on my life in times that God has spoken to me and times that... Um, that his spirit has led me or my, or my family. And, and it's been uh, incredible to, uh, to listen to his voice and to recognize that, that God speaks to us, that God is interactive with us, that God is, is constantly moving and leading us. And, and as I, I think back of my almost 46 years of existence on the earth, it, 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 it's amazing to me the times that the Lord has moved me and my family to take steps of faith, take steps into the unknown. And it's been an incredible gospel adventure as I think back about of my life, of my journey. And this is not just true for me as a pastor. I look at people in our church and it's so inspiring to be a pastor here in this place because so many in our congregation have have set this example for me, and I see it in them. I, I, I mean, I think of Rob Rizzo, who is a, um, a leader of his company, who, is, who is, sees his, his business life as a ministry. And, I, and I've watched him, and all of us in this church, if you've been in this church very long, you know this man, and, and you've, we've seen him live by faith and follow this adventure of serving the Lord. You know, I think of... Um, um, Rick Cuscio, who leads this Bible study of men every week, he's, he's the resident MacGyver in our church, you know, he can build anything, and, and, uh, but you know, I've watched him walk with the Lord and, and lead people to Christ and serve the Lord in, in incredible ways. I think of Barry Autry sitting over here, you know, he, he has just been this incredible example of faith, of trusting the Lord, and has inspired me countless times uh, just as a man who's walking with Jesus. And, and I want you to recognize that following Jesus really is the greatest adventure that you'll ever take. And, and I look around our church, and, and we have so many giants of the faith. Now, now when I think of giant, the Random House Dictionary defines giant as, as this uh, person or thing of unusually great size or power, being unusually large or great or strong. Now, the word giant, often we think of this fictional character, but, but the reality is it's my prayer and, and it's our goal for all of us as followers of Christ to become giants of the faith. Now, I'm not talking about we're going to like highlight God, like man's work over God's work. But here's the, here's the deal. God is at work in our lives, and God is moving us 
to be men and women who trust the Lord. And like Brandon sang about, we, we live our lives on the foundation of Jesus. And, and we live interacting with the Spirit of God, listening to his voice. And this is our call. And, and this morning, we are going to rub shoulders with two giants of the faith in Scripture. I mean, these are guys that I can't wait to meet when I get to heaven. I mean, I can't wait to sit with these guys and go, tell me about this. Tell me about what happened in your life. And, and, uh, and the, what's amazing about these guys is they are like you and me. They're, they were just men, people, leaders in the church who said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. They, they, they were saved. They trusted Christ as their Savior. And then they said, Lord, I'm just going to walk with you. And I'm going to give you everything I have. And that's all of us. That's our call, that, that, that all of us have gifts and abilities, and, and all of us are called to serve the Lord. And that's what these men did. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to really be in verses 10 through 31 as we continue to track through the book of Acts. And we've been in the series called Ecclesia, which is the idea that the church is called out. We're called out to serve the Lord. And, and that's all of us. We're all called out by God to make a difference and to, and to follow Christ, to listen to his voice, and to serve him where we've been planted. And what's amazing about God is he has planted us together. And, um, and so would you stand with me? Let's look. We're going to read together verses 10 through 18, but we're going to track through verse 31. So I hope you stay with me as we, um, as we track through this passage today. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And as he has seen in a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, and the Lord the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You have your seat. Be seated, man. What a what a. I mean, Ananias is this spiritual rock star. I mean, I, I, I mean, can you imagine getting this message from God, and 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 it's and then doing it. I mean, getting this vision from the Lord. I mean, there's so much in this passage that that you see. I mean, Ananias. Uh, we don't know much about him. 
I mean, we don't know much about this guy. When you think about this moment in the history of the church, this is one of the biggest moments that the church has ever known. I mean, the conversion of Saul, the moment when Saul comes to know Christ, I mean, this is one of those things that you don't want to mess up. And what's interesting to me is that, that you would think it's such an important moment, God would send one of the big boys. He'd go, hey, John, man, I need you to go take care of this. You never left me, so you go take care of this with, with Saul. Um, you would think maybe Peter. I mean, Peter was the one that was respected. I mean, everybody was in awe of Peter. You would think you would send uh, your best pitcher in this moment, right? You'd put your best pitcher on the mound right here. But Ananias gets the call. I mean, it's Ananias. We don't even know him. We, we've never even heard of him before. But Ananias comes in here, and he, and he goes before Saul. Now, what's, what's interesting about Ananias, we don't know much about him, but Saul does give us a picture of him in Acts chapter 22. Acts 22 was a moment that that. Saul had become Paul. He's reflecting back on this moment. And flip over there, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Acts 22, verse 12 and 13. I think we've got it on the screen up here. But, but, but in Acts 22, Paul is, Saul is giving his testimony, and he's, these religious leaders are, are blown away that Saul is the one giving an account of, of Jesus being God. But he says about Ananias, and one Ananias, look at this, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who live there, came to me, standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. So we know about Saul's description of Ananias. He was a devout man. Now we see that, that, uh, he, that that's an interesting word, devout. And on all week long, as I wrestled through this passage, I thought, Lord, we need to become devout. All of us need to become devout. And so we're going to work on our devoutness today. I'm not even sure if that's a word, but it didn't, when I typed it into my Word document, it didn't give me a red line, so I assumed it would work. So, so devoutness must be a word. You English people can check me out. I don't know. Um, but we know that he was devout. Paul says he was a devout man. He says that he, you see in this passage in Acts 22, that he had a good reputation. It was interesting about Ananias, he was spoken of well by the Jews who lived there. We know the Jews didn't agree with the, the Christian teaching. They, they, many of the Jews were opposed to the message of Christ, but Ananias is one who made a difference in his community. He was spoken well of. He was a devout man. He, we know about him that he had guts. I mean, this guy was a brave dude. I mean, he didn't have Philippians 4.13 to go, okay, Lord, I, I get this message. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I can do all things. He wasn't quoting that when he went to the straight street. That hadn't been written yet, okay? Philippians 4.30, he probably had some passage he was thinking about maybe, but, but he had guts. He was a believer that, that trusted the Lord. And Now, we see from this passage, it's so interesting, verse 10, um, he, he, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, I want you to, to, I got something to say to you. What does he say? Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm right here. And it's interesting as he says, I want you to go to this, to this place, Straight Street. And look at this. It says, um, there's a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And, and it's interesting 
to me that Saul, of course, he's praying, but can you imagine Ananias right here getting this vision from God? Okay, Lord, he's praying. And then, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him so that he might receive his sight. And I, if I was Ananias, I'd be like, why'd you tell him I'd go? I mean, come on, Lord. What, he's seen me? Oh, crud. You know, I mean, he saw Stephen and Stephen died, you know? But here's Ananias going, that gum. Saul knows what I look like now. He's seen me in a vision. It's interesting. Uh, it goes on, verse 12. Uh, he knows he's, he's blind. He's going to go, you, you're going to go, and you're going to help him receive his sight. And, and you see, and what's interesting about this whole interaction is Ananias knows i got to go healing him, heal him of his blindness. He's not even worried about that. I mean, isn't that interesting that he's like, yeah, okay, I'm, of course he can't see, but I'm going to go pray for him, and he'll see again. But the Lord, I've heard many about I've heard from many about this man. Verse 13, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. You know, the word had spread about Saul. They knew about Stephen. They knew what he had done. It, it says that, that it was obvious people, the word had spread that he had come with these papers to, to hurt the Jews or the Christians. He, he had authority from the chief priest. But the Lord said to him, I want you to go. And look at this, for he's a chosen instrument of mine. To carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Look, Ananias, I want you to go. This is an instrument of mine. And he's like, okay, okay." and look at what he says in verse 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now, this is such an interesting statement. Because as Christians in America, we think we don't like the word suffer right? We don't think about, oh, Lord, we're going to get to suffer for your name. Do you know that Saul and Ananias, these first century believers, they never questioned that? They never questioned the fact that they were going to have to go suffer for their name? I mean, here we are in America, we think, oh, Lord, my marriage is tough. I must get out. I need to get out of this. Oh, Lord, you know, uh, I'm going through this tough time. Oh, man, help me out of this. You don't ever hear First century believers praying those things. What do you hear them praying for? Boldness in all that. I think it's interesting. We got we to gotta catch that because we live in this, this health, wealth, and prosperity world that says if you go through tough times, you're doing something wrong. But the reality is a lot of times when we go through tough times, that's right in the middle of the will of God. So let's not, let's not miss that. Let's, let's grow up as believers. Let's, let's recognize that, you know, that, that the Lord is in our lives. He's leading us. He's helping us. He's called us. This world's not our home. It's not all about what happens at this place. I mean, this is not our end goal. We've got to catch those things. Verse 16 or 17. So Ananias, what does he do? He doesn't even question that i got to pray. You know, I wonder if God's really going to heal him of his blindness. He doesn't say that. He basically says, all right, all right I'll go. And, um, and so he departed and entered the house. I mean, think of the boldness it took for him to just, just walk into the house. And, and, and he walks in and laying his hands on him, what does he say? Brother Saul. I mean, look at the faith of that. 
I mean, this is the guy that has been killing people, and he walks in and says, hey, you're my brother now. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's boldness. That's, that's hearing God's voice and saying, God, I know you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And, and golly, i got to tell you, I'm not preaching at you. I'm sitting with you in this, in this seat today going, Lord, help us recognize what it looks like to walk with you and to follow you. And he walks in and he says, um, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, Lord, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you by the road. I mean, look what the detail God gave Ananias. Ananias, I, I showed up by the road. He's blind. He can't see. And, and he said, the Lord has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And right there immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. He rose and was baptized. You know what I think? We've, we've been debating this for the last four weeks in our office, and we, we disagree uh, with our staff, I think I'm right, but uh, but it doesn't matter. Um, but I think I think this was the moment that Saul was saved. A lot of people, there's several guys in our office that think, oh, it was the Damascus Road that he was saved. I think this was the moment that he was saved. I think in the, but it doesn't matter whether you agree with me or not. It doesn't matter. We know Saul was saved, and it was sometime in this period. And we can. That's fun to debate and. And you can agree with me and be right, or you can agree with the other staff and be wrong, but it's whatever you want to do. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing around. Um, but when I look at Ananias, I think, man, I, I want to be devout. Let's work on our devoutness. Okay, what, what does it mean? Point number one today. If we're going to be devout, you, you've got to have, what does it look like? We've got to have honest interactions with the Lord. You know, if we're going to be devout, you've got to have honesty with the Lord. And this is something I, I, I'm grateful that Ananias is, is, is recorded by Luke. I'm thankful we have this story. I'm thankful we can interact with him and recognize his honesty. Because look at this. He says, God, are you sure? Lord, okay, I hear you, but do you really want me to do this? And I love his honesty, and I want you to understand God's big enough to handle your questions. That when I say, hey, let's live by faith, let's trust the Lord, let's recognize that devoutness is honesty. Devoutness is, is this recognition, God, I, I've got to be honest with you about where I am. Help me today. Help me understand today. Now, we, don't, we, we know that Ananias didn't get all the answers, but he said, Lord, i got to be honest. Are you sure you want me to go? And he goes. And now here's what we see here. We see about God, and I want us to catch this today, that, that communication with God is a two-way conversation. And this is something that I pray we catch, that, that when in your life you are to communicate with the Lord. And, and this communication is two-way. You know, we all get into that habit, and, and we did this yesterday, and, and my wife is so... She's such a godly lady, and we were, you know, we, it was, it's, it's a holiday, school's out, so we're like, hey, let's just relax. And we had dinner uh, watching Guardians of the Galaxy last night, and, uh, and we were like, hey, we need to pray, and so we were gathered around our little island there, and, and I said, Eric, pray, and he kind of just said a quick prayer, and, and Rob was like, nope, uh-uh, pray for Emily, let's pray together, and we thought, yeah, yeah that's right. Let's not be flippant. Sometimes we are flippant with our prayers. 
Sometimes, oh, God bless me today. Okay, we don't even think about it. But I want you to see prayer is this two-way conversation where you are talking to God and listening to him. Let's not miss that. Let's listen to the Lord. Let's listen to his voice. Communication with God is a two-way conversation. We see that God's big enough to handle our questions here. And, and, and we also see that when, when God speaks to us, God's always faithful to confirm his plan. That when God speaks to you, when he tells you what to do, he will be faithful to confirm it. And we've seen this time and time again in our lives as, as our family has, has trusted the Lord, as we've listened for his voice, as, you know, we were sharing, uh, I'm preaching a wedding coming up in, on June 23rd, and, and we were with, they had this couple in our home Wednesday night, and, and we were talking about when God spoke to Robin and I about our marriage. We had some habits that were not healthy. Our marriage wasn't healthy. And God spoke to us and stopped us. God got in our way. God's people got in our way. You know, there are times that maybe many of you have been there. You, you, God has confirmed his plan for you. Maybe you've been uh, like Robin and I on a bad path in your marriage and God gets in your way. Maybe you were uh, trying to decide which direction should I go with my job. And God speaks and God confirms. I think about our journey to come to Owasso over and over again. God has confirmed that. And I'm grateful for you as a church by taking a risk on us. I've never, I'd never been a senior pastor before. It was definitely a, a learning curve for me. But yet we felt God was calling us here. Even though we were a little nervous about coming. But we, we, we came, even though probably some of you were nervous about, man, I don't know if we should go with that guy. You still may be wondering that, so me too sometimes. So, um, but the Lord brought us together. The Lord called us to this place. And I want you to know over and over again, God is faithful to confirm his plan. And we see this right here as, as, as Ananias says, God, what do I do? And he says, okay, Lord, I'll trust you. I'll listen to you. Look at verse 19. So, Saul is saved, and he's, he trusts the Lord. And verse 19 says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he's the Son of God. Can you imagine this? I mean, this is the one that had the, the decree, had the legal papers to arrest Christians, and now he's walking into the synagogues. I mean, the synagogue leaders knew he was coming, and he walks in going, no, 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 Jesus is God. And they're going, what would you say? What? Yeah, that, that's right. And in verse 21, all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, we, we believe this because Saul was educated. He knew the prophecies. He knew the law. And as, as God spoke to him, like many of the religious leaders, there were a lot of religious leaders, like Acts chapter 6 says, many of the leaders came to believe in Jesus. Saul began to recognize 
wait a minute, this is true. Jesus is God. Just like many of the leaders as Jesus was born, they recognized, no, he is the Messiah. And then as Jesus went to the cross, the cross makes sense. Isaiah pointed to the cross. Oh my goodness, I get it. And he stands before the Jews taking the law, proving Jesus was God. It's amazing. In verse 23, and when many days had passed, look at this, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates and night, and, and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Now we see this devoutness here. Not only do you see honest communication with God, but as Saul comes to know Christ, he immediately goes and begins preaching. And so point number two, if we're going to move towards devoutness, you see that radical obedience is a consistent lifestyle. That, that we're called to this radical obedience. And you know what concerns me about the church is we are reluctant to obey the voice of God. And all of us need to be a people that say, God, we will obey your voice radically. We will radically obey you. We will radically put your word into practice. It's like what Brandon's saying, that, that song we just sang. He's referring to Matthew chapter 7, 24 and 25, where Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And folks, devoutness requires us to say, Lord, we will hear your words and we will act on them. We will put them into practice. And what you see in Saul here, Ananias leads him to Christ. Saul immediately goes into the temple and says, I got to talk about Jesus. He radically obeys the voice of God. Because on that road, God spoke to him. A light shone around him in the middle of the day, and it, it overcame the daylight. And he said, Saul, you're persecuting me. And Saul repented of that and said, I'm going to go preach the word. I'm going to say whatever you tell me to say, and he does it. You know, here's what we see. Obedience to God, this radical obedience, it's often uncomfortable and risky. And see, so many of us, I think, are are. You know, and I've said this a lot too, that it's impossible to walk with Jesus and be bored. When I look at many Christians in the church, they go, I oh, mean, church is boring. I'll tell you what, we should never be bored as followers of Christ. When you live by faith, it is impossible to be bored as a Christian. And I'll tell you, obedience to God is often uncomfortable and risky. And this is what we see all through the book of Acts. We see these Christians taking risks, these Christians saying, I can't stop speaking up. You see, they're, they're not driven for comfort. I mean, I think about this in our own family as we stood on Tuesday morning and at 6 a.m. and said bye to our 18-year-old daughter. She gets on a plane to go to Nicaragua and to meet a taxi driver that's going to drive her two and a half hours. And we're like, oh, it's uncomfortable. Can I tell you? It's uncomfortable as I look at my daughter and send her off like that. That, that caused me to get on my knees. 
Cause Robin and I, we pray fervently for her, for her. But I'll tell you, it's risky. But here's the thing. You see what Saul does, what Ananias does, that, that this radical obedience, you expect God to keep his word in the pressure of the moment. And, and, and sometimes we run away from pressure. And folks, let me tell you something. When, when you walk with Jesus and you hear his voice, there will be pressure. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be uncomfortable. It's going to be risky. But here's what happens. In the pressure of the moment, God strengthens you. So when you're at work and, and you're praying for a, a coworker and, and you have that moment at the lunchroom or, or, or in a break where you have the chance to be a witness and speak up about Christ, God will deliver in the pressure of the moment. He always does. And I, and I love this about what the Scripture reveals. Look at verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem... So, so they, they, he escapes through the basket. I mean, look at this. I love this because they noticed, hey, they're going to kill him. So let's be creative here. Let's, let's, let's uh, figure this out. Let's figure out how to avoid death, right? And so they, they lower him in a basket over the wall, and he escapes. And they're smart. They're diligent. They, 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 they use their head. They, they sneak around, which is fun and cool. In verse 26, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And this was be true for us too. And they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe he was a disciple, and you wouldn't either. I mean, this is like the, the guy coming to church that you're like, he's not welcome here. I mean, God forbid anybody walks in the door and they don't feel welcome here. But so often we judge someone by their, by their reputation or, or, or what came before them. And, 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 and that should never happen here. Can I tell you the stigma that comes with a First Baptist church? All, in every community, everywhere. Oh, you got, that's the stuffy church. That's the church that's not welcoming. That's the church that you have to have status to go there. God forbid that's ever our reputation. And I don't think that is in our community once people know us. But, but I pray that no matter what someone looks like when they walk in the door, they're welcomed. We're so glad you're here. But this is a natural reaction here of, hey, we know about him. He's not a good guy. He's a bad guy. He's not a disciple. But look at verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord and spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Look at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And, and we see that we know that fear of the Lord is not, I'm afraid of the Lord, but fear of the Lord is, God, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to pay attention to your voice. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to respect your voice. But so often we don't do that. We hear the voice of God and we say, God, I don't fear your voice. I don't respect what you say. But we've got to be a people that say, Lord, we are on the road to devoutness. Lord, we will listen to your voice. We will hear what you say. And when we do, do you know what we see? Point number three today is this, that transformation and restoration is expected. 
that we should expect to see God transform people's lives. We should expect to see restoration of people around us. And this is something I pray that we experience daily. You know, when, when, we, when we live here, when we live in devoutness, we, we, we'll take risks with people. We'll welcome people that don't fit the profile, right? You know, I pray that we are, we are a group of people that take risks on people. That's why I love my one, and, and I want to challenge you. I mean, just yesterday, there, well, I'm not going to tell, I can't tell the story. But um, there are people that I'm praying for to go to camp. There are kids that I know. Man, we need to invest in my one, take risks on our teenagers and send them to camp, children's camp and youth camps. You know, we, we should welcome people in our community that don't fit our profile. Used to, they would say, if you're going to grow a church, you have a profile of the type of person you want to reach. No, we need to throw that out. We need to be... We need to take risks with people. We need to welcome people that don't fit our profile. We need to be, if we're going to move on this road to devoutness, you see the church doing this. You see Barnabas doing this. You see Saul doing this. You see Ananias doing this. We need to live in this zone where trusting God becomes a habit for us. And that's the habit I pray we embrace. That's what devoutness looks like. Devoutness has this honest communication interaction with the Lord. Devoutness moves us to radical obedience. We will see transformation and restoration. We should expect that. You know, uh, this is a treasure to me. I got this this week. Um, I called Mike Roark a week and a half ago as I was praying about this sermon. And I said, Mike, can I, can I share your story? And he said, okay, you can. And then he walks in my office Thursday and hands this to me. It's a 12-page single-space document that he gave me as a result of my question, can I share your story? Five years ago when I came here, um, that was right about the time Mike was diagnosed with his first bout of cancer. When I think about Mike Roark, he's a man in, my, in our church. You know, you know, when you're a pastor, you come in and you're like, okay, I'm going to teach people. But you find that people end up teaching you more than you're teaching them, right? That's what I found as a pastor. <laughs> and God's used him in my life. The last five years of his life has been wrought with difficulty and turmoil and challenge and suffering. And, I, and I've... You know, I've been a witness to it. And I, I've prayed for him. And, and, and he, he's processing that. He, he just recently got another diagnosis from a doctor that's not good. None of his diagnoses in the last five years have been good. They've progressively gotten worse every call from his doctor. And we stood in the... In the, build, the other building over there just a few, day, a few weeks ago. And I just listened to him articulate his prayers. And can I tell you what he's praying? This is what he's praying. And I wanna, I'm going to read it directly from what he wrote. His three prayers through this battle is this. Number one, that I will walk this path 
well. I want to walk it well. He, he said to me, I, you know, um, I, want, I want my behavior to honor the Lord. I want my heart to honor the Lord. His second prayer is this, that I will have wisdom to know what not to change and what I am to do. Lord, I, I want to know what I don't, what I don't, what you don't want me to change. I, you know, he's not asking God. Um, you know, he's, ask, he's asked honest questions. I mean, this is wrought with honesty. I'm not saying it's not difficult or he's like, hey, great, no problem. No, it's been a big problem. I pray I'll walk this path well. Number two, I pray I'll have wisdom to know what not to change and what I'm to do. And then his third prayer, that my life might be prolonged so I can have time to speak into the lives of my children and my grandchildren. His third prayer, Lord, I want to live a little longer. That's okay. You know what he says? The order is not reversed on purpose. Because so often when we go through this, and it's natural for all of us to go, Lord, I want to be here longer. But he says the order is not reversed on purpose. While number three is a request, number one is the most important. I want to honor God in my life more than to be alive and healthy. But I would like to be alive and healthy, at least no worse also. I asked God if this was all right to share. I seem to have freedom to share as, my, as I'm requested. And I asked him, could I share this? And, and I, you know what I love about this man that's devout, that has lived among us? Um, how can he face something like this with such strength and with such faith? And, and the answer is this, he's, he's spent many, many years saying, God, I will do what you tell me to do. And God's moved him to start a, he went on, they went on a mission trip to China, and, uh, and, and God used them there. He went on a mission trip to Cambodia, and God spoke to him, I want you to go start something in Cambodia for pastors. And he used his resources. He said, God, okay, I will obey you. He has constantly, time after time, obeyed the voice of the Lord, sat with the Lord, listened to him, put his word into practice. And God has proven over and over and over again that he can be trusted. And so, yeah, the last five years have been a battle physically. He's not felt well. He's been... He's facing his own mortality, and it's right there. He's going, God, I can trust you. That's what devoutness looks like. That's where Ananias was. That's where Barnabas was. That's where Saul was, folks. That's where we need to be. Do you know Jesus? Because that's where it starts. That's where it starts is a relationship with Christ. And, and let's, let's be one of those believers that are just radically obedient to the voice of God. And my guess, because of I know the pressures that I face, even as a pastor, not to obey 
the voice of the Lord. To face trials and difficulties and say, oh God, maybe you're, you're not going to, maybe your word's not true. No, it is true. Are, are you trusting him today? Maybe you need to come and just get on your knees and say, God, I'm struggling today. I, want, I need to trust you. Maybe today's the day where you need to come to Christ. You're like, how can you have that kind of belief that, can, does God really speak? Maybe he's speaking right now. Come to him.